0: guys go out and little girls we're going to let them go out this morning to their service and uh, they uh, have something geared for them and we want to bless the lord this morning a large part of what we do Every time we come together, it's the same thing. We're following through tradition of the early church. What we're doing is 2,000 years old. It's just an old, old thing. Preaching the word of God. The scripture said, Paul said, that God has chose the foolishness of preaching. Now, he didn't choose foolish preaching. But he chose what the world looks at as being foolishness, preaching the word of God. He chose that, that program, preaching the word of God, so that people might hear and understand and be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so it's part of what we do. We preach the word of God. And uh, I don't apologize for that. We come on Sunday nights. We sing, we worship, we do all those things, and we preach the word of God. We get here on a Wednesday night, and we pray and we testify and we we sing, and then we get in classes and we preach the Word of God, and God's gonna touch you if you listen. Can you say Amen? I I'm, something got ignited me the other day, and Brother Aaron was was teaching, and uh, I'm gonna ask his permission to repeat what he said on something. It just it just birthed in my spirit, and uh, we're gonna bring it to the whole church. and That's what you get when you hear the Word of God. It should challenge you. I mean, if you come to church and say, well, it's just another sermon, and man, I've been going to church for a long time. I've heard Pastor Rudd preach so many times, and uh, it's good, you know. It, boy, I wonder what's going on at home, you know, and, and then and then, if we can get through this, we'll, we'll be fine. No, 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 don't, don't do it that way. Say, God, Talk to me this morning. How many are ready for God to say something into your life? just like just speak something into you that'll burn your heart. And I won't even know it, and the neighbor next to you won't even know it, but God, burn something in your heart and, and begin to, uh, begin to turn something over in your life this morning. If you have your Bibles, I don't know if you're going to be relieved this morning, but we have changed the subject. I've been preaching for quite some time about Jesus. Who do you think you are? And um, however we could go on and on and on. But I will say this, that I'm going to preach differently to you this morning, but I am going to use the same subject. I've only got one subject to preach this morning, and that's the Lord and His His Word and, and His walk and His way and His gospel. And so it'll it'll all be the same. Just coming from another different direction, bringing the word of the Lord. I've got something that, that the Lord just kind of birthed in my in my spirit here a little bit ago. Found in the book of Luke, and uh, I don't know. Pastor Rod was just just stomping all over it the other night, but but that kind of happens around here. I'll guarantee you, you get a message ready, and the person that speaks in front of you will talk about that message. That's just the way it works. But um, it's not about me and my message anyway. It's about the Lord's message and and what he's bringing. So I want to go to the book of Luke, and we're going to look at just a little setting there in the third chapter in the 21st verse. And as you're getting your Bibles out, I always like to do this, uh, Luke uh, 3.21. I always like to say this, welcome to our visitors. We're so glad that you're here. God bless you. Hope that you receive something this morning. Amen. And so now reading in the 21st verse, and then we'll just read the 21st and the 22nd. And it happened in the baptizing of all the people, Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. That's what I want to talk about this morning that just that little thought the heaven was opened and the holy spirit came down in a bodily form as a dove upon him and there was a voice out of heaven saying you are my son the beloved i am delighted in you, and really, this further kind of reads in in uh, some of the other settings, and I'll talk about this in a minute. But in you, my pleasure lies. I am delighted in you. In you is my pleasure. Amen. Shall we pray, Lord, at the entrance of your word? Now we can preach this morning and it not enter. We can read this morning and it not enter, but at the entrance of your word into our life, the the light begins to shine. So we ask you this morning that each and every one of us will allow the word of God just to manifest something in our hearts, touch us, grow us, build us, encourage, strengthen. May all eyes be upon you this morning by the time we are done, may our hearts have drawn closer towards you, and we pray it in your name Jesus, amen, amen. so I want to talk about this this morning um something that I really haven't to this point really dwelt on, and so I would say it's kind of some new material that um uh, that I want to work in here this morning. So there may be, you You might be in church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years this morning and hear something that you have never heard before. Would that be awesome or what? You said, man, I've heard it all. No, no, you haven't. I mean, it, this thing is so, I mean, the revelation of Jesus Christ doesn't stop. Denomination stops here in organizational efforts, but... The revelation of Jesus Christ is open. And if we're willing to, the Lord is always going to reveal just another good thing, another treasure, another, another thing that we can just invest ourselves into in the blessing of the Lord. This, I want to call this story. Story is kind of a, a light word, an event, rather, that luke records here in the third chapter is also recorded in the four gospels all four of them and this is something i like to do i like to, I like to look at each man and how they have described certain events that jesus did they say them in different ways different angles sometimes different views uh, john was there and peter was there who mark wrote after his gospel and Matthew was there uh, in most of the miracles that we see, and so when we look at the Gospels in in full, so we see a story, an event that happened in the Gospel, and then we go back and search it to compare it with the other Gospels, and I don't know if you do that or not, but it's really a great thing to do because then you kind of, it, it, it gets fuller. And you see, you know, just a little bit more than what just the one writer wrote. And it begins to expand a little bit. So I, I like to do that. It's something you know. If you've heard me preach a few times, you know that I do that. But all these four Gospels carry this event. And Matthew and Luke are probably the closest to being the same. And yet there are differences in the two of them. And so let me let me just talk real briefly about this whole storyline. John according to the book of Luke is now out baptizing in the Jordan. I like what it says about the word of God. It's it sets up who the principals were. It sets up who the governor was, who the high priest were. And the Pharisees and all of those. And then it makes a statement, but the word of God went to John out in the Jordan. And so he's out there just baptizing. And, and I'm not going to cross over to where Rodney was. I just want to just explain this story a little. And so who's coming out to see him? And it says that all Judea and, all, and Samaria and the towns around, they're coming out to see him. The, the religious rites there, the Pharisees, the scribes, uh, the lawyers, they're all there, coming out to see him. He has soldiers that are coming out to see him, and they ask him questions. What should we do? So the soldiers are coming out, and and then he's got um, he's got just regular common folks They're out to see him. Royalty has come out to see John the Baptist. He's the novelty. In that time, when they didn't have television, they didn't have movies, they didn't have. Uh, iPads and computers and phones. And when there was an event that was out of the ordinary, they'd all go out to see it. It got a man out in Jordan baptizing and he's he's dressed a little funny. He's saying some things that other people aren't saying and, and he's drawing crowds out there and they're coming out. They're coming out to repent. They're coming out. He's preaching repentance and and uh, he is baptizing them. Now, this is, this is an anomaly because I don't find anybody else baptizing anybody. But John comes out, and he's baptizing. And what is baptism about? Baptism is about submersing in water completely. As far as I can find, what they did in history in the early church and in the Scripture um, they didn't do like some churches. I think a Catholic church throws water on babies, sprinkles water on babies, and they're, they're baptized. Well, that really isn't what the word means. Baptism is submersion. And so getting sprinkled, you know, that might be have some use. I don't know what it would be, but, but being baptized means to completely go under. Now, I've baptized a few times, and then there is a baptizer and a baptizee we get it we didn't do it this year and and uh, we probably maybe in the spring we'll go back i don't baptize all the time because i want people to be sincere about this thing this isn't a joke this isn't something that that we do and it's going to cover me and i'll go out and do live how i want to and i've had that happen and i don't like it if you're going to serve the lord and be baptized in the in the name of jesus then you need to get up and follow him but anyway uh, the simple explanation of of of, of baptism is there is one who baptizes. Now, I've read much about this subject, and and some believe that he was just a director of the baptism, that he stood back from the water, and that they sort of self-baptized, and, and then came up. But I, I don't know. As far as tradition and as far as the early church and going back to John the Baptist, I believe John the Baptist was out there in the water. And And we do this. We say, yeah. Uh, you know, we want you to testify and, and say your commitment to the Lord. And then you say your commitment and saying, uh, as far as, you know, your commitment, you're confessing Jesus Christ and now I baptize you into Jesus Christ and and so you hold your nose and we go down and we come back up. And and that is traditional baptism. That's That's what it's about. There is one who baptizes and then there's those who come to be baptized. And so He's baptizing everybody that's repenting. I don't think he's baptizing anybody that isn't repenting, but they, he's preaching repentance, and they're accepting it, and, and they're coming and saying, "What should we do?" Well, And he's telling the soldiers what to do, and he's telling the people what to do, and then they're repenting of their ways, and then he is baptizing them into repentance. He is not baptizing them into the Lord. He's baptizing them into repentance. Rodney makes a good point the other night. John the Baptist was not a Christian. John the Baptist was a prophet of the Old Testament. And Christianity had not come to fullness. The Lord had not died and, and, and resurrected yet. and so. But anyway, he's baptizing them, and Jesus comes out to the Jordan. And John immediately, something stirs in his spirit, and he realizes, although he says, I don't really know him in this way, We understand Jesus to be a cousin of John the Baptist. It's just speculation on our part. It does It's a relative anyway. And when Jesus comes, it's not like I don't know who he is, but I don't know him in this way. Remember Peter denied Jesus and said, I don't know the man. What he was saying was, I don't know the man of sorrows. I don't know the man who has been arrested. I don't know this man. And and so John the Baptist says, I don't I didn't know who he was in that way, but but the one that sent me out there bore witness in my spirit that this one is the one that was to come. And so Jesus comes to him and is baptized. And then immediately after Jesus is baptized, he goes into the wilderness, led of the Spirit of God into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, that's just kind of the storyline, but but I want to look on the things that are in between that make up really what happened here. Matthew adds something to John the Baptist's story in that only in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, John said, no, I should not baptize you, but I should be baptized of you. And Jesus says, no, let it be. This thing needs to happen in this way. And I'm glad that John the Baptist, he heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed the Lord. Because all the things that happen and the events that happen now, they, they, they hinge. Listen, your spiritual experience is going to hinge on your obedience to the Lord. It's not just something going to fall in your lap. You're going to obey the Lord and then because you have obeyed the Lord, you will receive of the Lord in the, in the ways that 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 he's got for you, and and so John has to obey the Lord, and and though he's no Lord, no, this doesn't seem like I should baptize you. I think you should probably be baptizing me, and but Jesus said, suffer it for now, and so Matthew adds that restraint there, and then Matthew always or, or also says that the word that came out of heaven was, this is my son. Now it's kind of setting some groundwork. This is my son, the beloved. But Luke says this. Luke says and and adds that the spirit of God came out of heaven in the form of a dove. The bodily form of a dove. And said, the voice out of heaven said, you are my son. Matthew said, this is my son. And Luke said, you are my son. Well, see, there's some conflict there. are the people that like to find conflict in the Bible. There it is. Because Matthew said, this is my son. And Luke said, you are my son. Well, we're not done yet, so don't, don't give up on that. Mark uses another term for the heaven opening. And I'm talking this morning about when the heaven was open. Mark uses a different term. He, he says, and the heavens was schizo. The heavens were torn. The same word that's used for what happened to the veil when Jesus died. Then the veil was torn. Schizo. I thought, but that, that's interesting. He doesn't say that the heaven was open. He said the heaven was torn. And that's going to work into where I'm at with this because because it was torn in one place. The whole heaven was not torn open, but an entrance, a portal, a tearing, a dividing, in one place geographically in the earth. And it was immediately over John and Jesus. The heaven was open. And the Apostle John, I find it interesting with the Apostle John, I don't know why he took this position, but this is what he did. He didn't tell us about the birth of Jesus Christ. He didn't tell us about Bethlehem. He didn't tell us about the manger. He didn't tell us about the nativity scene. He didn't tell us about the magi. We don't know any of that stuff. In fact, we don't even know who Jesus' mother is if we try and search for the uh, John, the gospel of John. We will not even find who Jesus' mother is so we don't have Mary and Joseph and the travel there and the Virgin Mary and all that stuff. We don't even have it. John just slips off right, right by that all because he wants to declare who his father is and not who his mother is. And what he does with John the Baptist, he doesn't relate the baptism. He doesn't talk about the baptism because he's kind of going a different direction. What he does, he uses John's words and and repeats John's words like this. And John said, I came baptizing so that he, Jesus Christ, might be revealed to Israel. Boy, that sounds like John to me. He's a revelator of Jesus Christ. And so it's not the point of baptism so much, but what was the baptism about? It's not the birth so much as technically... It was at Bethlehem. Technically, the baptism was at Jordan. Technically, uh, the people were there, and all of those issues. It's what was the purpose? What was the reason? And I think he repeated it in John's words when he said that Jesus Christ might be revealed. And then he also repeated this: "I have seen." This is what John said. John the Baptist said, and John the Apostle repeated it, said, "I have seen the Spirit coming down as a dove." out of heaven, and it abode on him. And the reason why John the Baptist says this is that he said, the one that sent me gave me this as a sign. Whoever you see the Spirit of God coming out of heaven and abiding on them, that's the one. And so when you put this all together, Man, you start getting this this plan of God in it. It's not that Jesus stumbled out of bed one day and decided, I need to go get baptized. Goes down and meets his cousin John, and John baptizes. That's not what this is about whatsoever. This is a revelation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if you don't know it by now, this book, this writ, this holy word these four gospels, this New Testament of God, is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about times. It's not about history even though it uses all those measures. It is about the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. And if you miss that, friend, you have missed the essence of what the Bible is all about. The Bible's not precious promises for you to pull out and claim. The Bible Bible is about revelation of Jesus Christ to you to you personally so that you may understand so that you may know who the author of the book is. Come on say amen. And so if we're going to say that the spirit of God came out of heaven here this is something interesting I, I, I think you might know if if you've studied this that The Spirit of God and Holy Spirit in terms are synonymous in the New Testament. And and one of the problems that we have, and I always speak to this a little bit. I always do some, so a little point of clarity. When we divide God down and and make a person of the Holy Spirit, that isn't going to work here. Because Luke says, what came out of heaven Who or what came out of heaven anyway? What could descend out of heaven? What was in heaven that could descend out of heaven and come upon Him? What was it there? Luke says, the Holy Spirit. Matthew says, the Spirit of God. Mark says, just the Spirit. John said, just the Spirit. So any way you look at this, this is, and I like to call it, the Spirit of God, which is holy. We don't take the adjective of the Spirit and make it a proper name. God's Spirit is holy. He doesn't have a spirit. He is not unholy. He never is unholy. He always is holy. And whatever He does is holy. And Jesus is the Holy One. And God, the holy, majestic one. We believe everything about God is holy. Can the church say amen? There isn't anything in him that is common and, and lesser. There's nothing in him that is dirty. There is nothing unclean in him. He is holy in every aspect that he does. Whatever he does. Whatever miracle he does. Whatever wonder he does. He is holy in all of his design. All of his work. All of his creation. God is holy. God is holy in heaven. God is holy in the earth. God is holy no matter where he is. In every Every manifestation and every revelation of God is going to be the holiness of God. It's one of the reasons why some of the stuff that's going on in this valley is called Holy Spirit inspired, but it's not holy. If it's not holy, it's not Holy Spirit inspired, it's not Holy Spirit directed. So we've got it all over our community here. We've got neighbors and friends that the Holy Spirit is leading them to do things. And really, it's not very holy at all. And so I just chalked that up. That was just free. That wasn't in the sermon. But let me say this. God is holy. And so his spirit, everything about him is holy. Now, I want to to go just to a, a, a little aspect in John 4 where Jesus made this claim to the woman at the well. And you all know this. He was talking to the woman at the well. And in his conversation, he says to her, God is spirit. How many remembers that? In John 4, God is spirit. This is a little bigger than I can describe. I think that God's spirit is indescribable. And if we try, we're always going to come a little bit short of the fullness of everything God is in His Spirit. But let me say this. I was thinking about this. If we say that God is a spirit, I know the King James says God is a spirit. Does your Bible say God is a spirit? If we say God is a spirit, then there is tangibility in separation. Then he's a spirit, and there's other spirits. So God's a spirit, and they're a spirit. And God is one spirit, and they're another spirit. But I don't believe God is a spirit. God is just spirit. You can't put him in a definition, a boundary. Whether that's spirit, or or flesh, or, or, or personality, you cannot bind him. God is. Is spirit the closest thing we can get to that? Is wind and breath, and we don't know where the wind comes from, but it blows and we see it, we see the results of it. But but we can't tangibly put something to describe wind, it just is what it is. And God is who He is, He's not just a spirit somewhere in heaven, He is spirit which inhabits everything. There is nowhere where He cannot be, there is no limit. To him, you can't make him a spirit that stops him somehow. He is just spirit. He is omnipresent. Can you say amen? Amen. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He is all-powerful. There's no way to put a barrier on him. Amen. And so, if we treat him as just a spirit then we can understand why we say Holy Spirit is a thing. Holy Spirit is not a thing. Holy Spirit is not a different person. So if we have the Spirit of God, we have Spirit... And we have the Holy Spirit. Then we have three different things going on there. Maybe three different persons. I don't know. I don't believe that at all. I believe that when we make reference to God, if we make reference to him by his name, Jehovah. We make reference to him by the spirit of which he is. It is that same living power of God that God works through, that God manifests through, that God reveals through. And the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, and the spirit are all the same. Thing and now, so so uh, everybody, you know, Kay does this. You read a thing and you do like. What do you do? Thumbs up or something? Okay, we've come to a, a, th- a thumb up. I like like this. I like this. Holy Spirit of God. And so Acts 10, 36. Says Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody say, Lord. Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. I like that. Second Corinthians, the third chapter and 17th verse, it says, And the Lord, everybody say, Lord, Lord. is the Spirit. Ah, Okay. All right, Pastor. I got it now. You're going back to that again. Here we go again. Breaking down all those separations of God. I feel like that's part of my priestly duty. I feel like it's part of my my, uh, uh, duty as a pastor. Break down that God's not made up of different things and different people and different stuff, but he is who he is. Jesus is Lord of all, and the Lord is the Spirit. We sing that song, Let Me Tell You Who Jesus Is. And I want to tell you again this morning, he is the father of all creation. Can you say amen? He is the eternal father ever, Isaiah said. He is the father of all things. And then let me tell you, if there is a spirit that is in heaven, it is the spirit of Christ. And the spirit of Christ, listen, it's the spirit of Christ that dwells in you. And so are you emphatic, so emphatic about, yes, I am, and, and not to, to pick fights and not to 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 establish dogmas and doctrines that other people don't have no I just I just want to know the Lord for who he is Acts 1038 now we were at 1036 at 1038 said how God anointed Jesus the one from Nazareth in holy spirit and in ability the baptism of Jesus has been a focal point of separation of God. You see, because, Pastor, what we got, we've got Jesus standing in the water. We got the dove coming down out of heaven. And we got a voice in heaven. So, see there, Pastor, you know, and believe me, we have discussed this at length with several people that, that feel like, well, that this is it. Here, here is here is the manifestation, the revelation of the real God. And I'm glad they said that because I really believe that his baptism is the manifestation, revelation of the real God that we serve. The transcendent Yahweh God anointed his tangible, incarnate, manifested flesh to do messianic ministry. This is what this baptism is about. Up to this point, Jesus has done no divine works. You might have the books of infancy which come from the Catholic Church that talk all about what he did as an infant. And he did miracles, signs, and wonders as an infant. One of the things that that I remember that supposedly he did, he took little balls of clay and threw them in the air and they turned into doves. I don't find that in the Scripture. When they gave him a bath, they poured his bath water over people that were sick and leprous and it healed them. Well, that might be fun to say, but I don't find that in the scripture at all. What I find is a man from Nazareth. I find a man that being in the form of God, he thought it not seizure to go through this thing as God, but he humbled himself and he took on the form of a servant. And what I see is, behold my servant, Isaiah says. Behold my servant. He does just exactly what I have designed him to do. So no wonder the voice at baptism says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. is because that's exactly what he has been doing. As a man, he is humbled. He has emptied himself. He has taken on the form of a servant and found in the fashion of a man. He's Jesus of Nazareth. He's a man that is studying. He's a man that's sitting at the feet of the lawyers and doctors and asking them questions and answering questions. He's studying like any other man. He's growing up like any other man. And one of the things I like about about him is that that if his daddy, uh, his adopted daddy, Joseph was an artisan. He was a, I believe he did, you know, kind of different facets of work in construction. And I think, man, I can identify with that. So I kind of like that. And For you that don't do construction, okay, I just, I just identify with that because Jesus raised up knowing construction knowing what it was about and he's just a man he is not doing exploits he's not healing he's not raising people from the dead he's doing nothing but studying he's doing nothing but preparation in his life but when he gets to about the age of 30 that's all gonna change now And it's going to be signaled at a baptism because something is going to happen in that baptism to the man, Jesus Christ, that's going to take him to another level. It's going to take him to a divine healing ministry, a level of messianic ministry that's not happening before his baptism. Let me say this. I'm going to have to begin with the premise that the heavens are closed. Doesn't that make sense? Okay, Dustin, he's a good one, you know, hypothesis and stuff. If it has to be opened, then it would remain closed until it was open, right? It's just simple, you know. Simple logic says that the heavens are closed. as human beings we have no access to heaven they're closed and so it takes an act from God to open the heaven and there's a church up here and they made a lot of money on it they wrote books about it when heaven invades earth well that's a really good thought but heaven does not invade earth Unless God rips a tear in heaven and exposes his revelation. I mean, the foolish thing about angels, and and years ago, there were many books that got very popular when I was a young guy then. That God was dispatching angels out of heaven and they were doing all kinds of different things and showing up everywhere. And, and just doing just mighty, mighty things. I heard somebody say they went to Tehachapi and they looked out in the valley there and there were angels everywhere. Well, I've been to Tehachapi. It's not angels. It's windmills. That heaven's just invading earth. And God, no, no, no. No, no, heaven's closed. Heaven only comes open when God rips it open. And that's for a very short time. In the picture of this, God opened the heaven, but when it was done, he closed it back up. Because you and I, even though the scripture said we are walking in heavenly places, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that doesn't mean as the natural man I'm sorry, this morning you may not be feeling just right. Guess what? Uh, heaven's not invading you. You might have some hurts in your life. You might have some doubts and things going on and your questions of questions and you're just, you're dealing with issues and dealing with stuff and I'm gonna tell you why. Because you're a human and you're walking a human life. You're not an angel. You have not been come through, what well, we preached last week, come through the resurrection yet. And Jesus, in the same manner, he's just a man. But when the heavens are open, it's only for a brief time, and then they're closed. And then it's only happened a few times in Scripture. So this foolishness about, you know, we're just walking heavens all over us and gushing all over us, that isn't scriptural. There's something else that's scriptural. And then each time, and and I want to talk about a few of these measures possibly next week, the week after that. Each time, that the heaven is opened, there is a distinct purpose of God for doing it. And it's not for you. It's for him. It reveals Jesus every time. What do you think heaven is about? Come on now. Oh, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. Streets of gold and and watermelons as big as a house. I mean, it's just going to be glorious. No, I think you've got the wrong picture. Something's going to come out of the heavenly. It's not a big watermelon. It's not a mansion in and in a, in a street of gold. That's not what's coming down out of heaven. It's a revelation of our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is seated above all things. Can you say amen? And so let's look at what really happened there. I want to know, really, what did happen then? So I I pose this question. Listen very closely. I pose this question to you. Did one person, God the Father, use another person, God the Holy Spirit, to anoint another person, God the Son? Because that's what many believe is happening in this thing. This baptism, this event. Oh, I think not. Jesus now, humbling himself to to John, and under John, he will be baptized. The significance of this is a handoff, my friends. It's a handoff of the last prophet of the Old Testament, John the Baptist who was the mightiest of all of the Old Testament prophets, and a funnel down, and he will hand off everything that's old, everything that had come to this point in John the Baptist is the representation of the high priest standing in the water, and he will hand off the baton, and so Jesus will humble himself to this thing, and when it's done, John will be done, and all eyes will be on Jesus. And so he humbles himself down, he comes into the water, and now he is baptized, and I don't know if John has a hold of him behind the head, that's how we do it, I don't know. But when Jesus comes up out of the water, there is a signal that goes off. There's something that happens that is miraculous. This is the timing. This is the moment. It's not another moment when he's down somewhere else, maybe in the temple, maybe studying, maybe at home, maybe doing some work as a carpenter. No, when he comes up out of the water, there is a signal to heaven. And what happens then is that the heaven is open. There is a rip between the earth and the heaven. And there is an opening that heaven and earth begin to touch together somehow. And now, I like this because John heard, This is my son. But Jesus heard, You are my son. Literally, they both heard the voice out of heaven, and John heard it as this is my son. Jesus hears it as you are my son. And now a dove, a dove, a bodily shape of a dove, in a bodily shape. And I used to wonder about this. Man, I just don't know, you know, about the Holy Spirit came as a dove? And so we started to put them on the back of our cars, you know, using the dove as a symbol, you know. And we had, you know, all three of them there, and one of them was a dove. and, and, And it was like, you know, the Holy Spirit is a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. And now what I've got to tell you is probably what you haven't heard before. This wasn't done in the flesh. Everybody listen to me real close. This was not a thing done in the flesh. The opening of the heaven. The baptism was in flesh. But the opening of the heaven was not done in the flesh. This was done in the spirit. And what happened and what John saw and what Jesus saw, nobody else saw it. Nobody else was privy to it. They were all standing around there. In fact, at one place, God spoke and... And people said it must have thundered. Maybe an angel spoke. We don't know what was said, and it was clear to the receiver what God had said. And John knows what God is saying, and John sees the Holy Spirit coming out of heaven as a dove and lighting upon him and lay, and and abiding upon him. And Jesus sees the Holy Spirit coming down out of heaven, but it's not in the earth. It's not a dove flying around. It is a direct connection of the heaven and the earth coming together. It is that thing that which God infused Jesus Christ in the power of the spirit. Now he has been just as a man. He's been just Jesus of Nazareth. But friend now he's going to go out of that place and the next verse says that he is full of the spirit of God. He is ready now for ministry. He is empowered by the presence and the spirit of God. And let me say this now He was in the form of God. He had emptied himself, but now he is bodily carrying with him now all of the godness is within him the fullness of everything that God is the power of everything that God is the wholeness the fullness of everything that God dwells in him bodily what happened it it happened out of heaven It, it united with the body and it's not another God and another person and another father but the spirit of the living God united with the body of the living God and what you have is the fullness of the Godness now stands in front of you bodily form but he is God everlasting Yahweh standing in front of the people the awesome thing that happened and heaven opened and God caused wow I've got to preach next Sunday and I don't want to give it away because I want you to come back. But I've got to pre- we're getting real close to you know the birth of Christ. Not according to the scripture he was born in September October. But the conception, Pastor Rodney, is going to look a lot like this. God infuses by his Holy Spirit into a man and that man becomes the absolute vessel servant manifestation of who God is then Jesus can say to them he hasn't said it to this point but he can now I and my father are one Because everything that God transcendent was and everything that God manifested in the flesh was came together in the moment of baptism and the opening of heaven. It united and now we have the glorious Jesus Christ be manifestation Of what we could never see. And John and Jesus could have never seen this in the flesh. But now they see it by the Spirit of God. Heaven has been opened. And they have seen the glory of God manifested in the man Christ Jesus. Wow. Well, I want the heaven open because I need a new car. See how that pales to anything spiritual? You know, I need this and I need that and I need God to open the heavens. If the heavens ever open to you, it will be the glorification and the manifestation of the one who is above all things who who lives in the realm of the heavenly, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to try and slow down. I don't know if that can happen or not, but, but we're going to come uh, to an end, but not abruptly. And so there's one more factor that I need to address here. Sinners came to John repenting. Jesus, There's people who believe that Jesus needed to be born again. They need their spiritual head examined. You only need to be born again if you're in sin. And Jesus knew no sin. There wasn't even any guile found in him or deceit. In other words, he wasn't even close. The devil thought he had him, right? If you're the son of God you know, cause these stones to be bred, you know, and he thinks, you know, I've almost got him. Boy, I've almost got him. He wasn't even close. Not even close. There was no sin in him. He doesn't need to come to John and say, oh, John, what must I do? I need to repent. No, he's not one of those. Because when John sees him, John says, hey, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. There's something about him that's drawing him to baptism, but it's not repentance. But let me say this, and and here's a a new fresh picture of this. I believe somehow that this this story that we just talked about is a prototype of being born again. It has the elements there of, of this new life. And let me let me say to you, if you are just a church goer and, and say to those that may be watching this morning, if you're just a church goer and you've said a prayer and you're just kind of kind of going with that, it's not quite enough. Jesus said you must, everybody say must. You must be born again. Well, what is born again? what does that term mean? So Nicodemus said, what, should I enter again in my mother's womb and be born a second time? No, 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 no. Nicodemus, that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Now what John and Jesus saw in, in baptism wasn't flesh. wasn't a flesh dove. It was the spirit of God. The born again experience is not about you making some changes in your life and going to church. That's not what being born again is about. But I believe we find the elements here because one of the things that John also said is the one coming after me, I baptize you in water. But he's not going to baptize you in water. He's going to baptize you in the same thing that he was infused in, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes we've got water confused with this thing that, that somehow baptism in water is going to save us somehow that washes our sins away and and really i can't find that scriptural there's just one reference acts 238 which which you can vaguely uh, correlate that but but really this thing is not about water. It's not about flesh. It's, not, it's about being birthed by the Spirit of God. And so there is this thing that happens in the heavenly and the earthly and somehow they join together at one point and that's called the born again experience. When you who were dead in your trespasses and sins go down into the baptism of Christ. And now I see him standing there and not John. And I see myself walking up to this place, not the Jordan River, but, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit flow. And, and I see myself walking there and I come under the man who is the baptizer and his name is Jesus, it's not John, because he's gonna baptize me not in water, but he's gonna baptize me by the power of his Holy Spirit. and I'm going to be submerged then and I am going to go under, not sprinkled with, not like in the Old Testament, and the Spirit moved upon them, and and they did some things, and and they were sprinkled with the Holy Spirit, but now, no, we're not going under that. We're going in the flow of the Spirit of God. We are going under, completely under, and at that moment, when we come up out of our old life, and we have been resurrected out of that spirit place in Jesus Christ, Is going to happen. There's going to be a moment in time where the heaven is going to open and you're going to feel the Spirit of God landing upon you. And that same Spirit is going to speak to you. You are my child. We've long enough been children of the devil. Children of the flesh. Children of sin. Children of the earth. And I'm not talking about a reform this morning. I'm not talking about a a, a changing of, of the guard. I'm not talking about turning over a new leaf when New Year's comes. I'm talking about the Spirit of God infusing into your mortal body and bringing you to life that you now are the son and daughter of God in which he will look at that and say, I am well pleased with this. But it's a spirit thing. And as long as we hang in the flesh and we're just holding to the efforts of the flesh, it'll all be about flesh to us. But when you get birth from above, something else is going on. How many witnesses can I have out here this morning say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. I know what you're talking about. I know where I was. I know what was going on in my life. And I know where I am Right now, I am in Christ. Hallelujah. I have been baptized. This isn't to discount water baptism. I'm not trying to discount that that that's an act that we should do that shows an outward sign of what's going on inside of us. I'm going to tell you what, if you haven't been birthed from above, you can go in the water tank a hundred times. It isn't going to do you any good. That kind of baptism, I need the baptism of the power of the Holy Spirit of God in my life, raising me up in newness and fullness. Amen. I'm going to take a reading, and we'll close this morning. Colossians, the second chapter, and you can follow this, uh, Riley, if you want. Colossians, the second chapter, beginning... Well, I'm just going to begin at the 8th verse. I was going to skip down a little bit, but we've got a few few verses here, and we're going to close. Watch that there not be one robbing you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. Here we go. For in Him... Dwells all the fullness of the Godness bodily. The word head there, strike it. It's not in the Greek, it's Godness. In Him dwells all the fullness of the God. And having been filled, whoa, well, how did you get filled? It's because that one that baptizes, he fills with the Holy Spirit. And you, and having been filled, you are in him. I love that. Who is head of all rule and authority, in whom also you were circumcised with a circumcision, not made by hand, into putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And I don't want to talk about circumcision this morning, but let me say this, that it's going to compare it in the next verse to baptism. And the circumcision which is going on here is in Christ. And the baptism which is going on in here is in Christ. It's not in water and it's not in the flesh. And so we continue to read this. And then it says, Being buried with him in baptism, in whom also you were raised, through the faith of the working of God, raising him from the dead, and you being dead in the offenses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made alive together with him, having forgiven you all offenses, blotting out all the handwriting and ordinances against you, which were contrary to us. Even he has taken it out of the midst, nailing it to the cross. Wow, I'm going to stop right there. I believe the heaven was open to him And I believe at the point of our salvation, born-again experience, the heaven has been opened and is available to every single person that wants that spirit of God in their life. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Sister Debbie, would you come, Brother Tom? I just hope this morning that as we preach, you got a kind of a new vision of what's going on here. Maybe, maybe not just about baptism, but about everything that deals with the faith in Jesus Christ. This this wholeness in Him, this reliance upon Him. I felt that as Pastor Rodney was this morning. Just he reigns. He reigns. I've got to let everything go to Him. He's the eternal God. He's, he's the one who is making the way for our life. He reigns. I, I, I worship only at the feet of Jesus. I don't know what you had there, but I just feel like this morning, I just want to close with that. I'm only going to worship at the highest this morning I'm not bowing down to the feet of government I'm not bowing down to social stuff I've got one pressing thing in my life and that is to be before my Lord and to know my Lord and have Him in my life there won't be any other gods before me no other gods before me just Jesus just Jesus I just want more revelation of that one who has been revealed I worship only at his feet this morning will you sing that with us everyone that heard this word this morning. Lord, work something in their spirit. God, give them the hope of salvation, Lord. Give the hope of restoration, the hope of healing, the hope of revelation in you, Lord, that you touch every heart, Lord, that's been here this morning, that's heard, Lord, on the broadcast. God, that you minister to them. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Everybody say amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen.